Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton Sunday morning Zoom service. My name is Gordon Ritchie. Karen Mills and I will be your service leaders this morning. We do hope that you feel welcome. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritual questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, pursue the common good and work for justice. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community and the search for meaning in our lives. May we be reminded here that our highest aspirations and inspired to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but are connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to this community, and to each other. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all our children. Our opening words this morning are by Leslie Havanu Fails. She writes, All that we have been separately and all that we will become together is stretched out before and behind us like stars scattered across a canvas sky. We stand at the precipice, arms locked together like tandem skydivers working up the courage to jump. Tell me friends, what have we got to lose? Our fear of failure? our mistrust of our own talents, what have we got to lose? A poverty of the spirit, the lie that we are alone? What wonders await us in the space between the first leap and the moment our feet, our wheels, however we move our bodies across this precious earth touched down softly on unknown soil? What have we got to lose that we can't replace with some previously unimaginable joy? Blessed are you, spirit of life, who has sustained us, enlivened us, and enabled us to reach this moment. Give us courage in our leaping and gratitude in our landing. And share with us in the joy of a long and fruitful ministry together. And as we light our virtual chalice, these words by Audette Philbert Folsom. This light we kindle is set in the lamp of our history. We inherit this free faith from the brave and gentle, fierce and outspoken hearts and minds that have come before us. Let us be worthy inheritors of this faith and through our good works, pass it boldly to a new 
generation. I've had the opportunity of listening to this uh, great song that Karen sent me. It's a song called Singing in These Hard Times, and it's by Linda Hershorn. In these hard times, they will always be singing, always be singing. In these hard times, in these hard times, they will always be singing, always be singing. In these hard times, in these hard times, they will always be singing. Always be singing in these hard times, in these hard times, they will always be singing, always be singing in these hard times, in these hard times, they will always be singing, always be singing in these hard times, in these hard times, they will Always be singing, always be singing in these hard times. In these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing in these hard times. It is our tradition each week to acknowledge all the joys, the sorrows, the celebrations, the concerns that affect not only us personally, but our communities, our local communities, our international communities. At the bottom of your screen, you'll notice a little chat icon. You're welcome at this time to type in a thought, a prayer, a wish. And as you do that, we'll listen to one of my favorite poems by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. diverged in the yellow wood and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though, as for that, the passing there had really worn them about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet 
knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. how so many of these beautiful works have been used for so many events in our lives. May we keep all these thoughts in our hearts as we worship together. One of the purposes of this church community is to encourage all who gather here to grow more generously in spirit and in action. In addition to supporting this community, we also make a monthly contribution to our wider community. For the month of October, we will be supporting Child Haven. And uh, we have uh, Sylvia, who's going to be sp uh, speaking a little bit about this this morning. Sylvia. Do we have Sylvia? Uh, I'm here. Um, there you are. Okay. Good. Um, so I can't see myself, but maybe that's not important. Um, just to give you some background, uh, most of you know of or have met Bonnie and Fred Cappuccino. Uh, they are a wonderful couple that presently live in Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, uh, Fred was a Unitarian minister for many years. Well, before that, he was a Methodist minister, and then he decided that his values allied more with the Unitarians, and so he became a Unitarian minister and was the minister in 10 uh, parishes between the United States and Canada. Um, during that time, they had two biological children, and then Bonnie wanted more children. And so Fred said, well, there are enough children in the world that don't have homes and so on, why don't we adopt some? So Bonnie set about adopting children from all over the world, predominantly in war savage countries. And so as most of you know, she ended up adopting 19 children from all over the world and uh, which um, they have raised. However, um, and then because Bonnie had these ends to be able to adopt children. Uh, many people called on her to adopt children for them as well. So she became um, uh, uh, organizing such. Uh, then um, in 1985, Bonnie and Fred said, well, you know, I'm not sure if we were doing the right thing by taking these children out of their home, their country, their culture, their language, and so on. And so uh, we, we must do something to compensate for that. So they set up um, a charity called Child Haven International, which now funds homes slash orphanages in India, Nepal, Tibet, 
in Bangladesh. And as you know, we normally have a big fundraiser dinner every October in Edmonton. And I appreciate all of you uh, pretty well all have attended or contributed to Child Haven. However, I, you can imagine that this time, because we're not able to do that, um, I'm asking if you would consider uh, sending a, a check to Child Haven International at um, the address is um, Rural Route 1, Maxville, Ontario, K-O-C-I-T-O. And, and just as a, a blurb, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you can see this, but I can't, but um, Fred has written a book about his life with Bonnie and her 21 children, as he says, which is really fun to read and very humorous. And then as well, those of you that contribute to Child Haven know that you get regularly, uh, you get newsletters like this, um, showing the things that there are happening. And then you all should know too, that if you want the opportunity um, that once COVID is, is over, that you can go and spend time if you so like in any of those homes. And uh, they like uh, preferably a three month stint there. And you can then and meet the children that they're, um, that they're helping in their homes. So I request of you to please, um, please donate generously. Thanks so much. Thank you, Celia. Robert and I certainly have, the, have had the great opportunity to attend these dinners with Child Haven, and we certainly look forward to being able to get together again to, to that wonderful event in the future. Uh, let us join in singing from you I receive. in person or not because I couldn't see myself. Good morning everyone. Um, normally I would take the screen down from sharing and uh, speak face to face with you as it were, but this morning's homily is, I think, quite um, introspective and reflective. So I'm gonna leave you with this picture to look at and contemplate uh, as I speak this morning. And this morning, I want to look at how we can maybe look within ourselves and our pasts um, to build our own resilience. So resilience refers to an individual's ability to bounce back from life's adverse events. There are biological differences that shape how individuals respond to stress. Genes through their interaction with the environment during brain development help shape the neural circuits involving fear, reward, emotional regulation and social behavior. And all of those um, are thought to facilitate resilience. But this doesn't mean that some people are born more resilient than others, and that's that. Recent research has demonstrated that individuals can become more resilient at any age. 
And that's great news as we are going through this very unusual time. I think all of us, no matter what age, are definitely having our resilience tested right now. This morning, I wanna look at how we might know more than we think we do about how to be resilient and about how we can be our own resilience teachers. I've been looking into this quite a bit lately and a number of articles and books that I've read seem to agree on seven strategies for becoming more resilient. First, they all recommend that we practice optimism. Uh, you can do this by avoiding the worst case scenarios and surrounding yourself by optimistic people. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that this morning. The second strategy that they talk about is reframing situations. And so that basically boils down to accepting what you can't change and focusing your energy on what you can change. The third strategy is having a belief in something greater than yourself. And while this is often found through religion or spiritual practices, it can also come from having a personal mission or a sense of purpose. The fourth strategy they recommend is remembering other times in your life when you have survived and move on from significant setbacks. And that's a bit that we're going to look at this morning, diving back into our past. But the last three strategies they mention are supporting others. And so studies have shown that resilient individuals demonstrate higher levels of gratitude and empathy. And to me, I think that actually just ties into having a belief in something greater than yourself. It's that reaching outward and feeling that connection. Um, and so I think that's really important. The sixth strategy is taking stress breaks. So giving yourself, your body and your mind time to recover. And the seventh is challenging yourself. So creating and then conquering stressful situations is said to help you habituate your body to stress. Um, and so while it's not something that we might want to practice, I think life throws us those opportunities anyways. And so if we do a little reframing right there and look at it as a chance to kind of flex our resilience muscles, um, maybe that will help us get through and help us be better prepared for the next challenge that we meet. But like I said this morning, I want to focus on that tip number four remembering other times in life when we've survived and moved on from significant setbacks. First, I wanna make a little side trip though. So as I was preparing for this talk, I heard the same line three times in one day from three different people. And I think you've heard me say before, you know, sometimes I think when you're thinking about something, maybe you're just a little bit more attuned to the universe, but I think also sometimes, the universe tries to hit you over the head with something. And this would be one of those cases. And so the line that I heard was a bit of a cliche, but um, hearing it three times in one day made me think there might be something to it. And it was, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Then I watched a movie about Robert Watson Watt, who developed the early warning radar system in Britain and discovered that he promoted what he called the cult of the imperfect. Uh, one of the things that he's noted for is saying, give them the third best to go on. The second best comes too late and the best never comes. Then I came across these beautiful words by Reverend Elizabeth Ingen. Our real work is not to walk away when we don't know what to do. Our real work is to face down the choices even when they're between harm and worst harm, especially when they're between harm and worse harm. 
And when we come to the edge of our knowing, when we do not know what to do, we try anyway. Particularly in our justice movements, it's so easy to forget that behind every triumph, there are a million messy choices, a million mysteries with no clear answer. We're told that if we don't know what we're doing, we're doing it wrong. But the truth may be the opposite. Only when we don't know what we're doing, are we doing the real work. So we bring our bravery, we bring our love to the work of the mysteries that are so uncertain, but that in the end are the ones that grow our spirits. Those words really put it all together for me. It confirmed that being resilient does not mean being perfect. It doesn't mean there will be certainty or clarity. It means calling on our own bravery and love to take action and move through uncertain events, even when we're not sure. So let's look at how we might do this. Michael Mattis, a professor of thoracic surgery and an MD at the University of Minnesota became addicted to prescription narcotics after undergoing several surgeries. Now recovered and a motivational speaker, he promotes the idea of a resilience bank account. His idea of a resilience bank account is gradually building into your life regular practices that promote resilience and provide a fallback when life gets tough. It's using your past to empower your future. Though it would be obviously nice to have a big fat bank account already, he says it's never too late to start. The areas he specifically advocates focusing on are sleep, nutrition, exercise, meditation, self-compassion, gratitude, connection, and saying no. Start really small and work your way up, he says. If you do a little bit every day, it starts to add up and you get momentum. And even if you miss a day, then start again. We have to be gentle with ourselves and keep on. Begin again. I think many of us already have resilience bank accounts, whether we've consciously built them up or not. I don't know anyone who's gone through life without any challenges or some setbacks and disappointments. We've all learned ways to cope and overcome. Some responses serve us well, some not so much. But by examining them, we can assess our responses and coping mechanisms and decide which to keep in our toolkit and which to discard. At first, it might be hard to pinpoint those moments and those skills, talking with a trusted friend, journaling, or looking through photo albums may awaken memories and insights. Or we could use a map. Victoria Safford offers one entitled Map of the Journey in Progress. Here's where I found and chose to be brave. Here's a place where I forgave someone against my better judgment and I survived that and unexpectedly, amazingly, I became wiser. Here's where once I was forgotten, was ready for once in my life to receive forgiveness and to be transformed. And I survived that also. I lived to tell the tale. This is a place where I said no more loudly than I thought I ever could. And everybody stared, but I said no loudly anyway, because I knew it must be said. And those staring settled down into harmless, ineffective grumbling. And over me, they had no power anymore. 
Here's a time and here's another when I laid down my fear and walked right into it, right up to my neck in the rolling water. And here's where cruelty taught me something. And here's where I was first astonished by gratuitous compassion and knew it for the miracle it was, the requirement it is. It was a trembling time. And here much later is where I returned the blessing clumsily. It wasn't hard, but I was unaccustomed. It cycled round and as best I could, I sent it back on out past the gift along. This circular motion around and around has no apparent end. Here's a place, a murky puddle where I've stumbled more than once and fallen. I don't know yet what to learn here. On this site, I was outraged and the rage sustains me still. It clarifies my seeing. And here's where something caught was wrong with my eyes that I see the world strangely. And here's where I said, yes, I know I walk in beauty. Here's where I began to look with my own eyes and listen with my own ears and sing my own song, shaky as it is. And here's where, as if by the surgeon's knife, my heart was opened up and here and here and here. These are the landmarks of conversion. Each of us will have taken different journeys, followed different maps and acquired different resilience skills. Each of us can also draw on different strengths and will react different in different situations. To contemplate this further, I invite you into a time of meditation. Sit comfortably, take deep, full breaths and exhale fully. Close your eyes if that helps you focus. And I'll share the words of Jamila Bethelder and Molly Horst Gordon. The piece is entitled, the strength of water. The strength of water takes on many, many forms, just as each of you has a unique and necessary strength that you bring to our community and to the work of love. Take a moment now to drop down into the deep wellspring of your own spirit and bathe yourself in the strength that is the groundwater of your person. Are you a roaring fall, wearing rock away with sheer force of will? Are you a tiny drop of water in a crevice, breaking it open slowly, steadily? Are you buoyant, like a great salt lake practiced at holding others aloft? Are you tenacious, like the mountain stream, finding your way down and around every obstacle you face? Are you still and calm, like the pond at daybreak offering radiant peace by your shores? Are you in touch with hidden depths, pulling from a vast well? Do you soothe, like the steam rising from a cup of tea? Do you dissolve away stubborn muck, like water left in a pot to soak? Do you smooth and soothe the edges like a creeping fog? Do you clear away distraction like a cleansing rain? Do you roll with the ebb and flow like an ocean wave? Settle your mind upon the strength, the power that is yours. 
Draw the strength into your heart. Draw it up into your soul. As we gather together the many waters of this community, we need each of your power, each of your resilience, each of your love to make us whole. And now invite you, if you like, to either listen or join in a meditative song called What We Need Is Here. Uh, it's very simple. The leader, Paul Vasily, will run through it a couple times to kind of teach you the melody. And then I invite you to listen or join as you wish.
Our closing words today are by Maureen Killeran. No matter how weak or frightened we may feel, we each have gifts that can make a difference in the world. In this coming week, may you do at least one thing to support the broken, to welcome the stranger, to celebrate what is worthy, to do the work of justice and love. Be strong, be connected, each day act so you may be a little more whole. Thank you for sharing the morning with us. We have some announcements next. Oh, we have to distinguish our chalice first. I forgot about that. And sing Carry the Flame together. Now we have um, some announcements, a chance for you to refill your coffee or tea cups, and then we will come back and do breakout rooms. So maybe just in a quick minute or two, if you need that little break, and then we invite you to come back and join for some conversation. <laughs>